Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Faith and Friction. Woo. Man, we have a show for you today. Let me just tell you, we were talking beforehand. <laughs> it's about to get fun. Yeah. It's the fire. Uh, but we, um, I want to let you all know, uh, to remind you, Patreon. We have a Patreon we started. Uh, and for those of you that uh, some people have asked questions, what is Patreon? It's a su- subscription-based content platform. So it enables us, uh, first of all, to help fund what we're doing here. Yeah. But the main thing is, is that we like to kind of maybe go in a more even relaxed setting and take it further. Sometimes we'll go off of conversations. We have episodes. We're going to be doing a lot of interaction with you on that. So download the app, check it out, look for Faith and Friction on Patreon, and please subscribe because, man, there's some exciting things in store for that. Yeah. Yeah. But for today, we have uh, a very interesting topic, handling and even navigating church scandals. You know, just as a pastor, one of the things I've heard so much over the years from people uh, how many people have been, what they would say, hurt by the church, mm-hmm. you know? And obviously when I say by the church, individuals or a situation in the church, whether it's a scandal or maybe just how they were treated, but I just want to expose something in the beginning here. You know, Satan, his goal is to get our eyes off of the true adversary, which is the kingdom of darkness mm-hmm. and his minions, if you will. And so the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So if you've been hurt by the church, if you will, or offended, or maybe been through a scandal before. Don't allow the enemy to get you so focused on what the person did that you forget the spirit that was behind that action of that person, because he is the one we need to expose today and eliminate that. But, you know, talking about scandals, I mean, there are so many in the news. You know, we talked about, we've had requests for this, and we begin to just look into it, and it's just sad, really. I mean, just Googling I mean, if you just Google the word, you know, I heard this and it's true. If you just Google the word pastor, a lot of times it's not what you, you wouldn't just be like, oh, this pastor, this church, just that word brings up news articles of, of major issues and scandals and laws being broken by pastors. And, you know, as a pastor myself, it's like our, we're not perfect, but our goal is to uphold uh, the word of God, not just verbally, but in our lives as well. And your actions speak louder than your mouth. That's one thing I've always heard said. But today we're going to talk about uh, just the overall issue and and how do we address it as the body of Christ? What do we do in these situations? And how do we overcome what keeps causing a lot of these scandals? Yeah. And so there's so many things, just like PJ said, they're in the news. There's, you know, massive churches that we've heard stories about that they've even made documentaries on Netflix and on Hulu and other places. And there's even recent pastors and things that have been accused of being in the wrong circles, partaking in different type of things that, that obviously the church wouldn't approve of. There's teachers and theologians, you know, in recent, in recent years that have fallen that a lot of people held near and dear and true. And, and some of which have even passed away and these things come out after the fact and your mind, it kind of messes with your mind for some people where it's like, man, this person that I've learned so much from that I followed their ministry from afar up close and this thing happened. What am I to think about it now? What am I to do about it now? These some prominent and public figures that, you know, hold these positions of leadership and and you're hearing these things. And, and how do we think about it? How do we go about addressing these things? Like PJ said, how do we navigate this as believers and as members of a local church. Yeah, because we look up to these pastors or just leaders with such respect and high regard. And we, I feel at times to a fault, we place them in yeah. such a high pedestal that when they fall, 
the fall is more dramatic than if we would just put a normal person on just a regular kind of pedestal. Yeah. So it's hurtful. It hurts us mm. and it hurts the church. But I think we also need to make sure we're aware that it's sin. Like these, yeah. everyone's human. Yeah. We're all human. And, and it's sin that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, you made a good point, though, of like, what is that balance between honoring your pastor, honoring a leader in any sense, mm-hmm. but especially a spiritual leader, and then not, for lack of a better word, worshiping the person. Right. You know, because when you, you, you there is biblical um, precedence where you place honor in spiritual authority, but you're also not looking to them to be the ex- perfect expression yeah. of Christ in the gospel, even if it's not some major sin, they're going to let you, people will let you down. I remember at our yeah. membership class at the church, I actually make this statement every time and I say, uh, you know, something to the effect, we're so glad you're here. I'm honored you're a part. I just want to warn you, I'm going to disappoint you at some mm-hmm. point. And I don't mean fall into sin, but I'm not going to say what you wanted me to say mm-hmm. or shake your hand. And so I think it's it's a balance in life of not allowing um, the lack of action by other people or even the mistakes by other people to shake our faith. Because yeah. they didn't die on the cross. They're not the yeah. foundation of the gospel. Yeah. Even though that God has used people to bring truth that has changed our life, honor them without holding them on the same level as Christ himself. I think That's about Peter. Good. I mean, the, the leader of the church denied Christ three times. I mean, if he was alive now, we would have news articles all over Google about Peter, and nobody would ever go to Peter's church again because he denied Jesus. And so wow. the blood of Jesus, nothing is too uh, powerful. No darkness is too dark. The blood of Jesus can't wipe away. And so as we navigate this conversation, I just want you to have that mindset that we're looking to him past the people that represent yeah. him. Yeah, I think um, it has. I have not experienced this, but it has to be incredibly painful when the person you look up to for teaching to disappoint yeah. you or fall mm-hmm. or whatever it is. What happens when a pastor falls or what happens when a leader that you look up to gives you a prophetic word and then they fall and Mm. you don't discard a word from God from a sinful man. It doesn't mean that it wasn't from God. Um, And in the word, yeah, the word is the word. So in Matthew 23 verses two and three, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses seat, so do and observe what whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. Uh, and then also just going along with the word of a, the word of God in Hebrews four twelve. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And like I said, just with friends getting a prophetic word that they've prayed about and have affirmed it. And it's like, but now did God really say that? Because he's fallen. The word of God is alive and active and God is the one who changes our hearts and our Mm -hmm. minds. Uh, And so just some compassion there. If, if you're struggling with, did I hear God correctly? Or, you know, if my pastor fell, does that mean Mm -hmm. I discard everything he's ever taught me? No, because the word of God is living and active. Yeah, no, that's good. And, and to add to that, Man, it's important as we see a lot of these things, and this is not new stuff, you know, with the emergence of social media and technology and things, we're finding about things that have been going on since the Bible that we read about. You know, it's like, how do we know about some of the, the what we would deem as scandal today that happened in Scripture? 
somebody had to tell. <laughs> like somebody had yeah. to tell themselves, you know. And so as we read about things, one of the things that I've learned in my own walk and experiencing some of these things up close and afar is that, man, it I have to ensure that my relationship with God and with Jesus is primary and not secondary. And so, again, with the emergence of all this technology, there are hundreds and hundreds and thousands even of people that are online. Great stuff, too. Great content. You know, we're getting flooded with content every day. And there's people giving 60-second sermons, three-minute sermons, even us talking on this podcast and posting clips on the Internet. People are getting the the bulk and the meat of their relationship with God through secondary sources and not through communion with God himself. And so if my primary experience through God is with things outside of God, whether that's my favorite devotional, at the end of the day, I cannot live off of someone else's revelation of who God is. It's not going to sustain me. It can't sustain me. I have to have my own revelation and my own encounter with God so that when the person that I do look up to or or learn from or is mentoring me or discipling me up closer from afar, when something does happen or they disappoint me or like PJ said, the inevitable happens, not that it has to be in a falling to sin sense, but when I'm disappointed, my relationship is with God himself and the things that I experience outside of that are truly secondary things. And it's not my primary source for encountering yeah. God. Yeah. And I mean, if you, um, I mean, if you are the devil and you're trying to destroy the church, it's like, you're going to target the leaders first anyways. In any mm-hmm. military campaign, mm-hmm. they're going after the generals. They're going after those that are, are setting the pace for everyone, because if you start at the top, then you can crumble what, what's under that. Mm-hmm. And right. so, Man, that's a frontline ministry in life, to be on the front lines of bringing the gospel. Satan hates the word. He's out to steal the word. But if he can steal the ones delivering that word or destroy them, then he can stop it. I would like to ask you guys, you know, on this conversation, you know, we know that there are so many scandals happening. I mean, like I said, the Netflix Netflix documentary and all of these, you can just Google the word pastor. But what do you think causes, where is the breakdown, I guess, if you will, on why these things keep happening. Because I'm a child of the 80s. I know I look young, but uh, I, I was born in the 80s, and so I was young in the 80s, but in the early 90s, that's just, you know, I don't know what it is about the years that you were born or grew up in, but they're the greatest decade. But, man, there were so many church scandals in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had all of these guys, televangelists, and, you know, coming out with stealing money or committing adultery or all these things. And I remember thinking like, you know, back in the nineties, you know, I was like, man, the eighties were just, you know, everybody was crazy back then. Well, nothing's new under the sun. Like, it's not like only the eighties were the time that people were falling into sin and claiming to be something they're not. It's happening now. And now, like you said, social media makes it instantaneous. And, and sometimes it's hard to know what exactly is the truth and what's not, but why does this keep, where is the open door that is being left for Satan to come in and take out these spiritual leaders, if you will, or church leaders. Man, I That's good. I have several thoughts yeah. on that. Um, one term that I don't agree with that often is is used is, man, this person fell into sin. Right. This person fell into sin. And nobody falls into sin. It's a gradual descent or a slide into sin. Uh a man that was married for 
over a decade and happy doesn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what? I think I'm going to cheat on my wife today. It's often a series of different compromises and different things that they, they compromise and they slowly started to slide into to where they end up in a pit. It's that age old, if you're a youth pastor out there, you've probably used this illustration to where, man, if you just get off track one degree, you may not be able to understand what's happening immediately, but a year from now, five years from now, being off just one degree or even half a degree, you're going to be in a totally different place and destination that you didn't plan on being. And you might not even realize you were headed that direction because of that sliding. And so I think that there's not a lot of, I mean, accountability, which accountability, we'll talk about, but yeah. accountability is huge for the little things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we see yeah. infidelity a lot in, in a lot of these different scandals and different things. And infidelity with the spirit of lust, it all comes from that same spirit and it's rooted in that same spirit. And if scripture, especially with the spirit of lust or when scripture tells us, you know, he doesn't say combat it, doesn't say, you know, you know, put on, take your sword out and let's get it going. Obviously the word's always good, but it says to flee from the spirit of lust. Like God knew what Satan's intentions were with that spirit and us fleeing from it or not recognizing when the temptation of that spirit is hitting us in small ways. Like you said, even with social media, you can be in one space or on one profile or on one page. And then all of a sudden you're in a space that you didn't intend to get to. And then all of a sudden thoughts are being developed. And now you're just like, man, rather than just viewing the things that I'm viewing that the spirit of lust has led me to, I want to start fantasizing about these things and then playing these things out. And then you get to a space to where you end up what people say is falling. Yeah. I think, you know, if you compromise in small areas, like you said, Mm -hmm. they don't stay small. So a little compromise here, it's no big deal. It's just, and it's not some major sin, but once you develop a culture in your life of compromise, the enemy will never be satisfied with an inch. You give him an inch, he'll take a mile. Mm-hmm. So now I'm willing to compromise here. Next thing you know, you're having to lie to everybody because the fruit of that seed of compromise has grown up into adultery or whatever the the scandal is. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then your whole life is about hiding things, you know. Yeah. And Luke eight seventeen is a pretty intense uh, word here. It says, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, yeah. nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So whether that means in this life or on the judgment day before Christ, yeah. uh, our lives are going to be laid bare before God and the light will shine. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But I think there's something to be said about continual rebellion against God yeah. and somebody who gave into the flesh yeah. at a time. You know, And there's a heart issue difference there yeah. between I made a mistake and I gave into the temptation or I am an outright rebellion because right. I'm going to do what the opposite of what God says to do. And I think both of these situations are with these scandals. I yeah. think yeah. you see people on either yeah. side. Yeah. Also accountability. Uh, as you yeah. grow up in church and you see the backside of people working with the pastors, a lot of it, they kind of just turn the other way right, right. And, and kind of ignore that because they've elevated the pastor to this degree of like, oh, we can't you know, say anything to him. He, he's the one that talks to the Lord, so we, we'll let, you know, the Lord deal with that. But I think sometimes you do have to speak up and, and ha- provide some sort of accountability. Yeah. And whether it's that's creating within the pastor a leadership team that is allowed to do that, 
you being a pastor, I'm not sure how that would work, but I think speaking up on those certain little things can prevent yeah. the big things from happening. Well, and every leader needs a leader. Yeah. 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 You never yeah. outgrow. I was talking to a very well-known older man of God, and he really surprised me with something. Um, he is now in his 70s, and his father uh, passed away, and his father was a great man of God. You would know him if I said his name right now. But um, And he said something that was interesting. He said, when my dad passed away, my mentor passed away, and mm -hmm. my, you know, my spiritual leader. His dad mentored him, and everyone can't. What an awesome thing to be able to say your dad mentored you in the things of God. Yeah. But he said, I immediately prayed about and was looking for a pastor, a leader. Mm -hmm. This guy is in his 70s, and he's been in ministry for 40-something years all over the world, but he even knew, I need a pastor. I need a leader in my life that can correct me, that I can mm -hmm. go to, that can encourage me. And once you're an island to yourself, yeah. that accountability yes. is not yeah. there. Yes. There's yeah. no answer to yeah. anyone. Right. That's a dangerous place. No, and, yeah. I, and I like that. Um, and it's, I think it's something I actually heard from you um, in, in a sense of, of submission to where you're, you're thinking or you have a leader or a pastor and a phrase I'm pretty sure I heard from you. I don't know where you got it, but I'll give you credit for it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, a phrase regarding submission is submission isn't submission until you disagree. And so if a leader needs a leader that they are actually submitted to, that's not just their mentor, but they're actually submitted to, to where, like you said, Annalie, in an accountability sense can say, hey, like, no, that's not okay. Or, hey, if I tell you no, will you honor my no because you know that I have your best interest in mind? And so that can and will prevent so much by having someone that you're submitted to. A uh, quick nugget for all the single people out there, even in, in a dating sense, especially ladies, if you're looking for a man that's husband material and you're just like, man, how do I know if this dude is somebody that that I can myself submit to or want to build something with or grow with. The question you need to ask, if y'all playing 20 questions on your first date, mm -hmm. however y'all do it these days, or y'all are texting each other <laughs> via DMs or whatever, ask them who they're submitted to. Yeah. Not just who their pastor is, not who their mentor is. And these could be the same people, but ask them who they are submitted to. Because you want to be submitted to someone who is submitted, submitted to yeah. someone else yeah. and who has given someone permission to get all up in their life <laughs> and to speak into it and not just speak into it, but they'll honor what is spoken and heed to those things yeah. that are spoken. And lastly, I just want to, to your original question, it's, I think it's important to recognize too that, man, starting in what, and you'd probably be able to know more. So maybe the seventies, eighties, I'm not sure when, televangelism became a thing you know i remember kind of like in the earl roberts era i know he was a big televangelist and then a ton of people followed suit and then you have people you know getting shows and and obviously it's a good thing that satan used used to to corrupt but now you're seeing the gospel being sent across airways and it's amazing and at the same time just like the boom of televangelists and now social media pastors and influencers there's this celebrity aspect that's been ascribed to church leaders that didn't exist before that mm -hmm. televangelist type thing. And I mean, on a global scale. So now you have people that actually have 
millions of followers, millions of people waiting for their very word, next word, millions of people following these people. And if you're some of those people, oftentimes it's, and our, our friend says this a lot to where you elevate God's name, but because of the celebrity status or aspect being attainable, you also want your name to kind of be elevated as God's name is being elevated, you're like, God, I'm going to make you famous. But I also secretly pray that my yeah. name is tethered to your name. So as you get more known, I also become more known. And like you said, that makes that fall oh, yes. even greater, harder. Oh, yeah. Because then you develop this pride as in you may feel untouchable or you may mm-hmm. feel like you got, you know, I'm God's chosen. I'm God's anointed. I can do no wrong. I'm, I can't, you know, mess up. And it's funny because, you know, there's a there's scripture about somebody else that wanted to take God's spot and and be the thing right. <laughs> that that people looked yeah. to and yeah. not through. And so, yeah. yeah, there's so much pressure in today's society. And we get to minister to a lot of young, influential leaders that have millions of follower on followers on social media and the pressure that is on them as in their late teens, early 20s, where their character hasn't necessarily been forged yet. Their integrity hasn't been forged yet. And now they have this massive platform with pressure, right? Like they're getting paid on social media. So it's like deliver, deliver, deliver. But they haven't really sat with the Lord long enough to, to be forged in the fire, right? And so there's just so much pressure on these young leaders. And we see, I mean, you can be gifted, but your character isn't isn't holy yeah and so and you know we always say like pursue holiness pursue jesus a lot of people are pursuing the platform and not his presence Mm -hmm. um Mm. and so if you are a leader you're held accountable like yes we can say that this is sin but as a leader you are held accountable and for me and my husband we are leaders and we hold each other accountable and we have a group of friends it's the eight of us we're in a group chat that we all have similar lifestyles and we're like, this is the year of extreme accountability. And even with my husband, when we travel and he's leading in massive crowds, I'm always asking him, Hey, how's your heart? How's your heart? And I, you know, so it's like, obviously we're submitted to each other and we hold each other accountable, but we also have a group that man, when there's one second that we feel like we're tempted, it's going to the group. We need to expose it. We need to be held accountable and one thing I'll, I won't forget, we were at a Next Gen Summit in uh, last year, uh, and JP Pacluda, pastor in Waco and has decent influence online, he talked about, so from the venue we were at to the hotel he was staying in was less than a three-minute walk. And as he was walking on the streets of Nashville, he texted his accountability partners and said, hey, I'm walking on the streets of Nashville. There's girls with like barely any clothes on and I'm just, I'm holding myself accountable. I'm three minutes from the hotel. I'll let you know when I get there. That is extreme accountability. And some people that may not understand be like, that's kind of crazy. Like could sound very judgmental, but that is, that is a good leader. And we have good leaders in our church. I, I like pastor Tony, he is, he is an extreme accountability person with his wife. And it's so great to see men who have platform take that type of accountability and leadership because it also shows integrity. Mm. Yeah, and if you don't have standards, mm-hmm. um, then, because it's not just being accountable to a person, but it's being accountable to a standard. Yeah. 
You know, I think when man, it's funny when you think of integrity. I think of Billy Graham. I mean, so many people have talked. Billy Graham would not get into an elevator if there was a woman on the elevator by herself. Now, we in modern day, it's even we'd like, are you like, yeah. come on, that's a little extreme. I would rather be accused of being a little bit extreme, but exactly. he had a standard. I mean, when I was a youth pastor, I told my youth leaders, you don't. You are you cannot be alone with the opposite sex, yeah. especially as a teenager, because we all know what teenage years are like. And why? Because you're putting yourself in positions. Right. Satan, I've heard it said like this, Taylor made temptations. He Taylor makes temptations. He knows not only you, but your parents and your grandparents and generations and what he can try to use to get into your life. And I just want to say this while we're on this subject, just to bring a little uh, perspective and balance too. Um, Galatians 6 talks about what to do if somebody's overtaken in sin or, for lack of better words, falls into sin. And it says in verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass or sin, you are spiritual. Restore one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And just that mentality that, like you said, I'm sure that guy wasn't like thinking about being with a prostitute. But he had the humility to say, I don't need to be in the situation without a certain amount of, of, um, what is it, accountability. Mm -hmm. Accountability. It's just like knowing that nobody is above that. And I think once you have that mentality, then you don't, pointing fingers is easy to do. Mm. Everybody likes to talk about, I remember just witnessing to people and talking to them, the biggest objection is Christians are hypocrites, you know, and it's easy to point out mistakes that people make. But man, it just shows where your attention is. If your issues have to do with people and their decisions about God, for example, then you are not magnifying God, you're magnifying people. Exactly. And I remember just getting together and talking about church leaders. And I mean, it's, it's almost like your flesh likes to gossip about people. It feels good. It's like, oh, did you hear about, did you hear about? Yeah. But that humility of saying, hey, look, we're all living in this, this flesh and we need to be humble because pride comes before a fall. Yes, it does. Yeah, and, and PJ, you just mentioned that scripture in Galatians. And one part of that that really sticks out to me is the, the way to restore and to restore one. And something that I think, and I actually heard, um, I've heard a, a local pastor talk about this also, that we aren't, when someone falls or something happens, whether it's a scandal to sin or in any capacity, a fall occurs. Often the idea is that how do we restore that person back to ministry? Not back to Jesus, back to ministry. And it's backwards. The restoration that needs to happen is a restored relationship with Jesus. And so it's, and even when you see, you know, uh, pastors or leaders fall, it's like, man, the, the questions that start circling in your head is, man, will they ever preach again? Will they ever be a leader again? Will they ever be on staff again? You know, will they ever have a ministry as big again? I can't, you know, all these things we start thinking about. And the biggest question is, are they going to restore their relationship to Jesus? If scripture talks about being reconciled back to God, not to ministry, not not yeah. to your, your sheep, being first reconciled love. back to God, back to your first love, which I think is really important. Even as PJ mentioned, having that extreme accountability and people may say, you know, that's extreme, that's crazy, that's over the top, or even the thing that, you know, JP did. I guarantee you that any person that you've named uh, or that you think of that's experienced scandal in any capacity, if they were that level of extreme, 
they would not have been in that position, yeah. period. There's nothing anybody can tell me to convince me otherwise that if they had practiced extreme accountability on all fronts, it would have nipped it in the bud so soon. And it's wild. And and a lot of the things I also heard this, um, that oftentimes grace is, hind, is in hindsight for us because we can read scripture and we can read about people that we know have fallen, that we know have done extreme things, that we know have have grieved uh, the heart of, of, of the Lord, if you would. And it's easy for us to continue preaching about these people every week mm-hmm. across the globe because grace is hindsight and it's not always right now. And we don't also, we don't often exercise that same level of grace to some of these people that we talk about and we read about. And so I want to actually read in scripture about a guy you might have heard of him. His name's David. And obviously we know David. And if you were to ask, I feel like globally the 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 phrase that we've coined him as is the one after God's own heart. We see David as somebody after God's own heart, not often talking about or recalling that he essentially kidnapped a man's wife, got her pregnant. And in that particular scripture, it says that he sent guards to go get her. Wow. And so likely against her will, kidnapped her, kidnapped Bathsheba, got her pregnant. And in order to cover up the sin that he did, instead of being honest about what had happened, he had her husband killed in battle, came up with this, elaborate scheme to have it happen too. There's a a buddy of mine uh, named Joshua Broom that talks about this. And he says that instead of erasing his internet history, he killed Uriah. And so just to kind of put that into what he was doing to cover up. And so we don't hear about exactly when he finally came clean or he finally exposed himself, but we know that some time had went by And we know that it was at least nine months because Bathsheba's baby was born. And we know that that hadn't happened yet. But in Psalm 2, in Psalm 32, I'm sorry, we read David saying here, it says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. And then he says here in verse three, when I kept silent, My bones wasted away through my groaning all day. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. And so here David is saying in this moment of him being aware that he messed up, he knew that he messed up and he admits that he kept silent. And in his keeping silence, it says that my bones wasted away through my groaning all day because of what he had covered up. And so there's there's so many things that as we're talking about, accountability and leaders and pastors that may be fallen and, and thinking about what do we do? Like what, what are some practical ways or practical things, even in addition to what we've talked about that as we read these things that we can do to alleviate this? Let me say this, um, just adding what you said, I think it's important too, that we, we hit this at the root 
Mm. Because it's like if you were to go to an apple tree and say, I don't like these apples and I'm tired of having apple fruit. And then you just start cutting off the ends of the branches going, we're going to rid ourselves of these apples. They're going to grow back. And so I think accountability is, is important like we've been talking. But you made a really good statement. You were talking about the heart, though. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's deeper. I just did a teaching, actually, for Patreon. We were talking about the three dimensions of man. Come on. And your heart, it's mm-hmm. like that's the root system is down there. What yeah. did Jesus say in Mark 4, the parable of the sower sows into the heart? Yeah, the that's seed. right. That's right. So whatever is in your heart is and stays there, right. even if it's hidden, you can't help the fact that it's going to grow up and show out in your actions That's and right. in your words. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. So your words and your actions will reflect your heart no matter what. So knowing that we got to go to the beginning, because Psalm 51 talks good. about David and Bathsheba too. A new heart. Yeah. yeah, and he said, renew a right spirit within, within me. me. Yeah. So he's saying, I know what the issue is. It's not just that I got to get more disciplined and more accountable. You need that. Mm-hmm. But if your heart, did you fall out of love with Jesus? When was the point, you know, Revelation chapter 2, Jesus says to the church, uh, what church was that? At Ephesus. He said, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Yeah. And he said, remember where you've fallen, repent, and do the first works. Get back to that the joy of your salvation, mm-hmm. you know, just the relationship with Christ. And I think it's easy to get on trying to be famous, or if you're the social media Christian influencer, I got to get more followers, yeah. or I got to get more money. And you've looked away from Jesus, your first love. And yeah. now you're trying to get all these earthly loves. Yeah. That is the beginning of right. the fall. That's right. And so is that off? And I would ask, That's right. be humble, like Galatians 6 says, I'm asking myself, where is my love for Jesus? Like, is it where it's been? At least where it's been or greater, or have I gotten distracted and started looking everywhere else except for that intimacy with Christ? Mm-hmm. Because when you're in love with Jesus and you're walking closely with him, sin cannot penetrate that relationship. It's sin comes in whenever you reject that relationship and open your arms to the world. Yeah. Yeah. And even last thing, and and we'll talk about some of these practical ways. I wanted to read that verse that you referenced um, in Psalm 51. And it says in, in verse 10 through 12, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Amen. And so like you, it's important, David, recognizing this and saying, man, don't cast me away from your presence. And so it's one could look at this and be like, man, what's the the antidote, if you will? Obviously, we know the answer is Jesus. Right. But he's getting in the presence of God and allowing him to actually have a new heart and a, a right spirit within him, which we know for us is the Holy Spirit and being submitted to that. And like he says at the end of Psalm 139, where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Mm-hmm. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. And so like you said, PJ, our leaders and all of us really, can we comfortably and confidently say, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
not know my actions, not know what I'm saying in a pulpit, not yeah, knowing what pulpit. I'm saying yeah. on my Instagram channel when I'm catering to my audiences, but know my heart, try me, know my anxieties, know the things that I'm actually worried about behind the scenes. Because if you have any platform and you do have secret sin or, or a heart that's not right, it's going to be an anxiety and a worry of yours. There's no way you're not thinking about that. And then he says, and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So that's huge. And so let's get into some practical ways and things for the local church. Um, Yeah. Well, because you you talk about that being an individual, you know, heart issue. But if you look at the congregation as a whole, there's so much healing in that transparency because a lot of them are dealing with those same issues. And if you come up and transparently for your heart and say, you know, I messed up in this. Imagine the healing that takes place in that for others. Just the grace that I feel there's more grace in that than instead of trying to cover it up. And years later, they find out, you know, something like that. So practical ways, I I think transparency is very important. Uh, The church, I think, should address scandals immediately, Mm -hmm. um, acknowledge the wrongdoing, and take swift corrective action. I like what you were saying earlier, Matt Chandler. Yeah, so I like... You know, he kind of addressed that very swiftly. Yeah. And I feel like there was a, a restoration that already yes. took place in that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, have open communication, accountability we've talked about, and a commitment to change the church talking about, you know, this happened, but we are going to change that, take preventative measures for the future. I mean, that just provides a congregation with, like, security. And, okay, we have— we have a path going forward. This happened, mm-hmm. but you know, together we're going to get through this. We're going to go forward. Uh, provide support for anyone that's affected by this. Yeah. I um, would, I would say, I would agree with you that a lot of the hurt, frustration, and pain that people would say, "Well, the church is hypocrites," or they've been through a scandal, is not even just what actually happened. It's how it was handled. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And man, it's like once it's out in the open, especially, it's like. Why are you trying to still cover it up? Like it's already out in the open. Yeah. Own it. Mm-hmm. Let the light, because where there's light, darkness has to flee. Yeah. And just go and own up to it and say this is wrong. And then, like you said, it's wise to go. Okay, here's how we're going to prevent yeah. and correct this. I think a lot of you that might be watching that have been hurt by scandals in, in any way or form, I think you might agree with me that sometimes it's how the, it was handled. Yeah. So I think even the church leadership, we've got to step up. And, and really have a plan scripturally and lay it out. There. I've seen it done right, and I've seen it done wrong. When it's done right, not only is the person that fell restored, because when God restores, he doesn't restore back to where you are. He, you're better even, yeah. and that's the grace of God. So think about the strength that, that someone that's been through that and been restored to their relationship with Christ would have because they've been through hell and back in that area. But the people that are being led— having confidence that they're in a place that is safe and that is healthy because the leadership is healthy yeah. and the plan is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. I I felt two things. One, one is allow your congregation to grieve yeah. and mourn because it is painful mm-hmm. when yeah. someone you are trusting with um, learning spiritual formation or the word of God, that is painful. I know friends that have had really bad hurt from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's grieving, there's valid grieving and mourning. And then on the flip side is forgiveness Yeah, is if you are carrying hurt, you need to forgive. That's huge. And there's, man, there's, there's so many different 
perspectives that we know a lot of you have and sides that you're on. And just want to take a second, especially if you are a, a leader or a, a pastor and maybe you're dealing with something or, or maybe you're in a position that you need to ask the Lord to search your heart and have something. And there is, there's a grace that's for you. And not only does the Lord want to and desire to search your heart, but to be able to restore the joy of the salvation for you. And we just want to come against any spirit of anxiety or fear in that. Cause oftentimes there's a fear of I'm going to lose the thing that I built. If this thing gets out, which just leads to more covering and more this. And if I can encourage you, if you are building it for the Lord, it's not yours anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not yours anyway. And if yeah. you're truly submitted to God and believe that his hand is on something that you are building, then for the sake of its health, examine your heart, find the right accountability, find the way. Don't be like David in Psalm 32, who, who says that his, his, his bones are groaning and he's in all of this grief and his bones are wasting away because he's kept silent. And so we just want to encourage you in that, that there's hope for you, that God is still for you. He's still with you. And if it was God's will, then it's going to happen. And so you can't mess up God's plans. And so, yeah, just want to encourage you guys um, in that. Hey, God's still on the throne. He's still on the throne. Nothing any human can do, no matter what it is, changes that fact. And just resting in the fact that God is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He is not going to have a scandal or fall. Yeah. And we're serving him. And we're go- we're going to be with him soon. I mean, mm-hmm. just watch the news for five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in the last days, yeah. and so don't let that distract you. That hurt, like Tracy said, forgive because it only hurts you. Release yeah. that because yeah. you're holding up yourself. Yeah. Or even if you weren't in the scandal, but you're just mad because the scandals right. exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that might be an excuse. The enemies tried to get you to say, "Well, I don't dot 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 because." Mm-hmm. The church is hypocrites, or the, they always pastors. I don't go to, I've heard people say, well, I don't go to church because yeah. pastors are hypocrites or Christians yeah. are. And it's like, man, that's falling into the enemy's trap. Yeah. Exactly. He's like, I've isolated the sheep now yeah. so the attack can happen because of looking at people. Yeah. And man, but at the same time, balance it out with still honoring authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And exactly. I, I want to do a whole episode on that because in America, especially, I can speak for, for us because I'm an American, mm-hmm. but we have an issue with authority. It's kind of yeah. cultural. Yeah. And uh, because we've seen the abuse of authority, not just ministry, I mean, governmental authority, yeah. family abuse, everything, the enemy wants to get you out from under God's authority because you reject all human authority. Yeah. And Romans 13 says all, all positions of authority were ordained by God. He didn't say every personality and authority was ordained by him, but That's the right. positions yeah. of authority God ordained. And so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say, yeah. because pastors have made a mistake. So because I've heard them say, well, they're just humans. They're just men. Like, we don't want to put them on a pedestal. Well, don't let that be something where now you dishonor the lives right. that God's placed in your life because, well, they're just a human. Yeah. And that's that heart issue, that yeah. balance. Yeah. You know? that's good. And lastly, uh, hopefully, maybe, we'll see. But uh, I do that, brought up a point. Um, again, just as like we just took a moment to speak to the leaders. And like Anna Lee was mentioning and Tracy mentioned about people and congregations that have been hurt in these situations, don't let a moment of Jesus being misrepresented cause you to turn away from Jesus. Don't let a moment of somebody misrepresenting God and misrepresenting 
the holiness that that Jesus embodies and the love that he embodies. Don't let a moment of misrepresentation cause you to walk away. And man, I feel and truly believe that somebody's going to watch this that gave up on church because of what man did however long ago and decided that you had a moment that was like, see, I told you those people aren't any good as the rest of us. And I just want to encourage you that Jesus is still good. He's always been good. Yeah. He's always been true to his word and to who he is. And if you've had an encounter or an experience that made you think otherwise of him because of what man did, I would just encourage you and take this as a moment or a sign, whatever you want to take it as to try Jesus again, because Jesus doesn't fail us. And yeah. And also last point, I promise this is really the last point. This is we're, we're excited about having these convos. We're excited to be back yeah. for season two. Yeah. Um, and we may do, we may do a episode on this or a Patreon thing. Join us on Patreon link in the bio, but holiness is not overrated. Right. Holiness has not been redefined. Holiness is still the standard. Holiness is not unpopular anymore. It shouldn't be. It feels like it is in just the way things and people are conducting themselves when they're in positions of leadership. Holiness is still the standard. And so I feel like we need to get a fresh revelation of holiness and what it means to be consecrated to him and as far as what we talked about in the extremities of, of accountability, if you're serious and extreme about holiness, then these things won't even affect you because you'll be too consumed in pursuing what the Lord is doing in your life to even think about or entertain any attacks from the enemy. And so, man, a prayer that you can have tonight to ask God to give you a fresh revelation of holiness yeah. in people, in his word, in surroundings, in all of the above and yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. It'll be great. All right. Faith and friction. We're confronting the challenging conversations that cause friction in the church. That's and this right, is are. one of them. I hope yeah. we did it with grace and truth. Uh, we love y'all so much. Remember what Gigi said. We have a Patreon where we go even deeper. We have exclusive content. We'll have the link and we'll see y'all next time.